So let's go ahead and, and have our continued series, Thanksgiving in the Old Testament. Now, the kids, you might be thinking, there's no Thanksgiving in the Old Testament, but there is. Two weeks ago, we saw that there was Thanksgiving in the Old Testament as we studied Daniel in the lion's den. You know who gave Thanksgiving that day? Not just Daniel, just a quick recap, but it was King Darius, or Darius, depending how you pronounce his name. He gave Thanksgiving when he realized his good friend Daniel was still alive in the lion's den. He even wrote a Thanksgiving song saying that God is the best loving God out there. True story, it's in the book of Daniel. And today, we're going to see another example of Thanksgiving in the Old Testament as we look at Hannah and Samuel's story. Now, this past week when I, or two weeks ago when I first got sick, how many of y'all, when you're sick, you just find it difficult to breathe? Right, yeah. It's just so difficult to breathe. That's how I found myself a few nights when I first got sick, it was just so difficult to breathe because I was so congested. And because I was so congested, I couldn't sleep either. For three straight nights, I believe, I had a total of four hours of sleep. Is that enough sleep? No. I was tired, I was exhausted, and my throat was killing me, and then my my sinus made it so difficult to breathe that I felt like I was drowning. Have you ever struggled to breathe that you feel like you just, you might just finally succumb to having no oxygen? And if you have no oxygen, what happens? Yeah, you can die, right? It feels like it's drowning sometimes. Well, the reason why I bring this up is because sometimes in life, people may feel like God has abandoned them. And because they feel God has abandoned them, they feel restless. They feel scared. They feel anxious. And like what Russell said during praise time, they they can even weep bitterly. What does that mean to weep bitterly? It means that they're so sad that they, all they do is just cry so much. I share that part because that's what Hannah was experiencing in her life. This is our key text for the day, our memory verse for the kids. If you want to try to memorize it, it's a pretty lengthy one, but I believe you guys can do it, you know. The key text here is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. It says, And she, Hannah, made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor, no razor will ever be used on his head. So there are some key parts of this text that I want us to study today. The first part is this part where it says that Hannah was miserable. She was in misery. 
And because she was in misery, she felt like God had forgotten her, right? Therefore, she's asking God, please remember me. Maybe you're not at that age yet. Because, you know, when the younger a person is, the more faith they have. I truly believe that. You know, when Jesus was, uh, when, was asked by the, by the disciples, who is the greatest in heaven? Do you know who Jesus uh, said? He said, bring one of those little kids to me. Jesus said the greatest in heaven are kids because they have such great faith, right? But as we get older, as we get older, there's challenges and trials in life. And sometimes the trials become so miserable that, that adults begin to think like they've been forgotten by God. Does this resonate with anyone? Maybe. Maybe, maybe you've been in a situation in life, maybe you've experienced it in life where you had misery and you even wondered, God, are you even there? The other part I want us to look at here is that I truly believe this text is wonderful because it outlines Hannah's story quite well. First, we see the misery and her asking God to remember her, and then we see her 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 uh, pleading uh, for not just to be remembered, but for her to receive a son. And then lastly, lastly, the last phrase we'll look at is (coughs) (coughs) where it says, I will give him to the Lord. If you give me a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. There's a statement I want to make right now, and I want you to remember this. The level of thanksgiving you you experience, the level of thanksgiving you experience is equal to the level of giving that you can give. The level of thanksgiving you experience is equal to how much you can give. Think about that for a second. And that's what we see in Hannah's story. Hannah is going to ask for the greatest thing that any person can ever ask for. I've asked many parents, what is the one thing you're most proud of? They always say, my children, my son, my daughter, most precious thing in the world. Yet Hannah was willing to give up her her, uh, up to that point, her one and only son back to God. And then we're going to see at the end of the sermon how she's able to sing a thanksgiving song, a song of gratitude, a song, a song of gratitude to God. So let's take a look at her story. Let's turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And the first thing I want us to look at is her misery. We see the context of her story from verse 1 all the way to verse 5. In those verses that we, we see that her husband is Elkanah. The Bible tells us in verse 2 that he had two wives. Elkanah had two wives. One was called Hannah. So we could safely assume that Hannah was the first wife because she's mentioned first in the Bible. And the other wife was named Penina. 
Penina had children, but Hannah had none. And then if we advance to verse 6, it tells us in verse 6, And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival, being Penina, the other wife of Elkanah, her husband, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Now, how often did this happen? How long did this happen for? The Bible tells me in verse 7 that this went on year after year. For how many years? It's not specific. But how, how long is too long to be provoked anyways? Right? Right? No one deserves to be provoked, not even more than a day. But the Bible tells us here that Penina provoked Hannah year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Have you been in such dismay ever in your life that you couldn't even eat? That your spirit was so downcast, that you were so downtrodden, you felt so defeated that you couldn't even eat? This is what the Bible tells us about Hannah. It tells us that Hannah wept from all the provoking that had happened to her that she could not eat. I think what also added to her dismay, what also added to her troubled heart, was also the fact that she felt inadequate. I'm not a woman, mind you, but one thing I've noticed in working with a lot of patients in the past is for women who can't have children, they feel like they're less of a woman than other women who can have kids. They feel like they're not living up to a certain expectation of society, an expect expectation of family, and maybe an expectation of God. They feel defeated. They feel like they have no purpose in life. The beauty in this story, though, is, is that Elkanah, her husband, seems to understand her situation. He continues to be a loving husband, but sometimes a loving husband is not enough. She feels defeated. I'm emphasizing this because maybe your defeat today, maybe the, the, the struggle that you're experience, experiencing today is not, is not the inability to have a child. Maybe it's something different. Maybe it's finance. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's you fighting with a loved one. Maybe you just have something so, so restless in your heart that it's causing you not to eat and sleep. Whatever the case, there's hope that's coming. There's hope that's coming because what does Hannah do then? It tells us here that she goes to the one true God and makes her petition. She makes her appeal to God. And I hope that through the challenge that you're facing in life, you can make your appeal to God. And if you make your appeal to God, the Bible tells me, that he listens, he hears, he's concerned, and he will respond. So that's what it tells us here. Let's go to 
Let's go to verse 10. In verse 10, Hannah, it says, in bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. I love that part. We can't discount these little tiny adjectives where it says, in bitterness of soul, Hannah wept. How much did she weep? She wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, and here's our key text, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his Where did she find her meaning in life? That's a question that we need to ask. Because I think there are certain places that we need to find meaning in life. Something that's clear here for her is that her ability to have a child gives her meaning, gives her identity. And I believe that when she prays to God, asking God for a son, it's not just to have a child so that way she can compete with Penina. I think it's much more than that. I think what Hannah really seeks here is identity. I think she seeks here love. She seeks love not only from her husband, not only from her, uh, from her rival. Uh, it's interesting how the Bible just calls her rival. But if you think about it, as much as you and I might disagree, how can a man have two wives? That was the culture back then. They were a family. But even then, apparently, family members can be rivals. Hmm. Family members can be rivals. That's crazy. But that seems to be the trend in, 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 human, in, in humanity. And we see that here as well. So Hannah longs for identity. Hannah longs for God to give her something pure and true. And when she does receive it, she makes this promise that I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. So the Bible tells us that she does give birth to a son. We're going to fast forward to verse 19. Verse 19 tells us that early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord, what does that say? The Lord remembered her. That was one of her concerns. The Lord remembered her. So, so in the course of time, verse 20 Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son, which she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. The way the rest of the story unfolds is that when, when finally Elkanah goes back to Shiloh to, uh, for, for, for religious ceremonies, she wants to wait until he's old enough to be weaned, as you might remember the story. Once he is finally old enough to be weaned, he, she then takes him to Eli. 
and lets Eli know that that one interaction that you and I had where I was crying and you noticed my weeping, you blessed me and you said, may God give you what you seek. This is what I sought for and God has given Samuel to me. So now I would like to give him to you, Eli, so he can be dedicated not only to, not only will he be dedicated to God, but now he may live the rest of his life for God. Now, why is this important? I want us to compare Hannah and Eli, the tale of two parents. Last month, we had a quarterly that, um, or uh, there was a lesson in our quarterly that focused on Eli and his two sons. Uh, the difference between e Hannah and Eli are this. You would say Eli is what? The religious leader, right? The pastor of the church, I guess you can say. Some people in a, I would say Filipino church. I'll just use my own culture, okay? In some churches, like a Filipino church, they will hold the pastor up to high regard, like almost at a pedestal, like the pastor is the most holy person in the entire congregation. No, that would be the wrong thing to ever think of. If anything, the pastor is just like the rest of the church family. We all have our errs and we all have our blessings. And so one thing that I want us to look at here is Hannah, I truly believe, was the more devout person, the more faithful person than the spiritual leader himself, Eli. Hannah honored God while Eli honored his sons more. You find it in those respective verses. So if you wanted to study this later in your own uh, uh, Bible study time, I left the verses there for you. Hannah dedicated her son to God. We see that in 1 Samuel 1, chapter, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 24 to 28. However, Eli could not even rebuke his sons when they did, uh, when they did something sinful. Hannah's son Samuel would grow up faithfully to his calling, to the people of Israel, and most of all, God. While Eli's sons continued to cheat the Lord's offering, mislead women in the church, and sin against the Lord. Why is this important for us to look at? I think there's a lesson that you and I can get out of here. And especially since there's so many children here today, this is a special lesson for parents most of all. That the greatest treasure we have in our children, we should make sure that they are trained and taught in the ways of the Lord. Right? That they are trained and taught in the ways of the Lord. What Hannah did was perhaps the best thing that she could ever do for her son, Samuel. By dedicating Samuel to the Lord, she set him on a path that was going to be straight and narrow. While on the other side, Eli, you might even wonder, well, how do we know if he ever dedicated his sons? Maybe he did dedicate his sons. Yeah, he made them priests, right? Yeah, he, they had to be dedicated. But then there's the dedication of the heart versus the dedication 
of what just happens as far as a ceremony for others to see. What I believe Hannah did here is she wanted to dedicate Samuel to God for the heart, for who he is going to be. There's a special word here in this text. When she says, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, that word give in the Hebrew, it's Natan. That's where we get the name Nathan from. So if anyone here has Nathan in their name, like Jonathan, your name means the Lord's gift because Natan means gift or to give. She is giving. This idea of giving is something that means I'm giving to you everything that I have. Natan. So when Hannah the tale of two parents gives Samuel to God. It's not just a one-time event, but a lifelong commitment. How often do we do baby dedications? We have them here. It's a one-time thing, right? But I hope that we all remember as a church family that though the baby dedication happens for that one day, that one Sabbath, the true dedication is the one that's going to happen as a life commitment. And that's a daily commitment. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever taken the time to compare Hannah and Eli, but if you were to take a look at these two characters, one who is seen as perhaps a secondary wife because she couldn't provide children first versus one who is seen as the religious leader of the, of the group, of the church. I have to say that the one that seems to have more faith in God is the lady who went to God on a regular basis praying for that son. So I want us to take a look at this. Hannah's Thanksgiving song. Last or two weeks ago, we looked at King Darius's uh, Thanksgiving song. Once Hannah received Samuel, I, I, can't, I can't even begin to imagine what her face must have been like. It doesn't tell us how often or how long she was struggling and praying for a baby. But it tells us it, has, it had been years for years she wept. For years she prayed. So finally when she received her baby, she wrote this song. And if I can ask Russell at this point, as we come to the conclusion of this sermon, this is Hannah's Thanksgiving song. I shortened it for, for our sake. But if you wanted to read it, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 2. This is what Hannah's Thanksgiving song is. Put into perspective that she had been struggling for several years and finally when she has her baby, she's able to sing the song. She says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. She who was barren has borne seven children. 
but she who has had many son, sons pines away. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. Upon them he has set the world. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. There's some, there are some, there's a lot of things in this story that we should always remember and consider. Just for your thought, one thing I lift up is that that struggle that you're experiencing it can happen for years. You might even ask God, why do you let it happen for so long? Why do you let that struggle take so long for me to, to go through God? There's no easy answer for that. There's not one way to answer that. But what I do know is this. Through the course of that struggle, once that prayer is answered, the happiness and joy you will feel will be 10 times the struggle you went through. I know this from my own experience. The greatest struggle I've gone through started in July 2012. Some of you know this story. It's when I was coming back from a mission trip with my students. And as I walked through customs and border enforcement, they stopped me. They said, we're going to have to hold you or detain you is the word that they use. We're going to have to put you in a room until a judge gives you entry back into the country. I asked them why this is happening. They said, well, because of your criminal record from 98 and because you're a legal resident with a green card. Because of that criminal record, we have to just make sure that, that the immigration judge grants you access back into here. But I'm a resident, is what I said. I told I told this officer, this immigration officer, that, that this, is, this is just all one big mix-up. I need to go because I have students who are flying back with me to Dallas. We need to get home, and they're unsupervised. Are you going to let children go unsupervised is what I asked them. They said, yes, we're going to have to let them go unsupervised at this point. So they detained me, and I thought it was going to take a couple of hours and a couple of hours then realized it was midnight they said we're gonna have to detain you for a few days a few days long story short ended up being five weeks in a ice uh, immigration center in Houston Texas finally my lawyer was able to gather enough information on my character that you know he's a pastor He's a teacher at this moment. He's not a flight risk. He's not illegal. Yeah, he did something wrong when he was 18, but he did his time for that. He did his, his stuff. 
Because he was able to do that, my lawyer, I was uh, released on parole with the understanding that every year I would have to renew a special I-94 card that gives me access on being out here with everyone else. Boy, boy, I say that. I need to renew that card every year until I see a judge. So what ends up happening through the course of the next 10 years, I, ha I have one canceled court appearance here. Uh, in 2014, I'm supposed to see the judge and I'm getting excited. I'm like, yes, finally I can get my green card back. And just when I was gonna see the judge, they cancel the appointment. Then they move it to 2015. They move it to 2016. They move it to 2018. And I'm just, at first I was excited and then I got frustrated, then I got excited. It was a roller coaster ride. And I didn't weep. If anything, I wasn't sad. I was angry, right? And Bobby would see my anger. And, and Dad and I, we both expressed our anger to each other. Sometimes we were angry at one another and sometimes we were angry at the system. It was an up and down roller coaster ride. And I found myself asking that very question. God, have you forgotten me? I feel like Joseph in jail. Then this past year, July 2022, 10 years exactly to the month, I finally got to see the judge. And the fact that I'm standing here with y'all, the judge granted me access. Amen. And even recommended to the lawyer, to my lawyer and to the prosecutor, to the immigration uh, court, that I get my citizenship. The struggle is real. We could go through it for days, weeks, months, or years. But what, why, the reason why I shared, you this, uh, shared this story of mine with you is because as I look back at my story, and for all the headaches and anger and I, that I experienced, once it finally happened, the joy I felt was 10 times more than the 10 years I was experiencing. What's your struggle, brothers and sisters? What's your appeal to God? What's on your heart? Give it to the Lord. Pray to the Lord about it. And I know he will give you deliverance.